Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Jay Hatfield. He is a fund manager at Infrastructure Capital Advisors, also known as Infracap, which has three exchange-traded funds in the Master Limited Partnership and Preferred Stock area. Uh, welcome to the Money Answer Show, Jay. Well, thanks, Jordan, for having me. I appreciate it. Just give us a brief background of your uh, experience in the financial field before you got to Infrastructure Cap. Oh, great. Thanks. So I started out as a CPA in California. Um, I have a, um, I graduated with an MBA in finance from Wharton about 30 years ago. I worked for an investment banking for about 15 years, mostly with Morgan Stanley doing utilities and MLPs, and then worked for uh, two hedge funds doing um, utilities, MLPs, and credit. Most notably, I guess, would be SAC Capital Advisors at the time. And then about uh, 12 years ago, I launched my own asset management firm. Uh, the first uh, project I worked on was uh, launching a uh, MLP and Geo Energy Partners. And then about uh, after we got that public, I focused on the uh, ETF business. And about um, six years ago, we launched AMZA. And about three years ago, PFFR. And about a year ago, PFFA, which are three ETFs. So that's Very good. Program. So let's just talk a little bit about the interest rate environment and how the uh, MLP and preferred ETFs you have kind of work in that environment. So interest rates have fallen quite a bit in in Europe and Japan. They're deeply negative interest rates. What are you looking for in the interest rate environment going forward? Are rates going to go even even further and deeply more deeply into negative? Or what are you looking for in interest rates, say, the next year or so? Well, just I guess by way of background, for the last approximately three years ago, we've been saying that rates would be capped, which isn't super insightful right now. But the reason we said that they would be capped is that we um, did the research, and you can find great studies, that there's $40 trillion of global pension assets. Um, and the reason we were doing that research is we had thought that the aging population, particularly in the OECD countries, uh, was creating sort of a short squeeze on pension funds where they need to keep funding the pension funds, rates are going lower, and those obligations are rising. So that was a good insight three years ago. We still think that that's true, not necessarily capped at 150 on the 10-year, but once we get over over to well over 2% on the 10-year, we think there's a deep um, bid for bonds from those pensions because they need particularly U.S. pensions. Um, about $32 trillion is actually U.S. pensions. So they they um, need that kind of risk-free dollar-paying security. <laughs> on the on the downside for interest rates, um, we believed, um, and we were saying this before Labor Day, that the U.S. market's a little different than um, the European market. First of all, we have much more free market capitalist system um, driven by technology. So we just have fundamentally a more dynamic um, a dynamic economy. So there's higher needs for capital. And we also have a dynamic bond market. There, a lot of the borrowing in Europe is done through banks. So when rates go very, very low, the, our big corporations will take advantage of that, and corporations like Apple will just opportunistically uh, issue bonds. And since those are investment-grade bonds, they're really substitute for treasuries. So we really don't see um, rates going you know, even below 1%. And I guess the other related point, which also ties in the stock market, is that we think that we're more mid-cycle. For rates to go sub-1, we would think you'd have to have a recession. We don't think we're going to have a recession, um, which we can talk about later, but that's really what would be required to have U.S. rates at least go below 1% in our opinion. So this is not only true for pension funds, but this is true for individual investors. They're having a very hard time getting the income they need to keep their lifestyle going, even at one5 or 2% on treasuries. So they're looking for alternatives, and that's what you're offering with your ETF. So let's start off with the MLP, the Master Limited Partnership uh, ETF, where the symbol is AMZA. So what is attractive about Master Limited Partnerships in the current environment? You have a relatively low oil price, even when we had the 
uh, attacks on the Saudi fields. Oil went up for a day, then came right back down again. Uh, wh why would MLPs be uh, attractive in today's market? Okay. And um, I'm just going to focus on the, the sector as a whole, and people are welcome to go to our website if they want to research all the details about our ETFs. But in terms of MLPs, generally speaking, um, they're actually um, pretty well positioned, um, particularly relative to straight energy stocks, in that what they're benefiting from is uh, moderate oil prices. So 50 to $60 is fine for MLPs. And what most people don't appreciate is there's an export boom going on right now out of the U.S., uh, both natural gas, natural gas liquids, which are produced when you drill for oil and, and natural gas, and then oil is itself. Not because the U.S. is a net export of oil, but North America is. So oil comes from Canada um, and then through the middle part of the United States and then gets exported uh, out of uh, mostly Texas and Louisiana through three major ports. So MLPs are building all of the transportation infrastructure, the pipeline, storage, and docks that um, facilitate those exports. So their fundamental dynamics are, um, are extreme, you know, very solid, good to great, and, but yet their stock prices are depressed because the last five years have really been um, extraordinarily difficult for energy investors because of the per crash in oil prices, and then also a subsequent restructuring of the companies, which is very, very positive now, but not appreciated, and that now they have solid coverage of their dividends, modest leverage, and stable growth for most of the companies in the 4 to 5% range. So they really have the... And by the way, I would suggest those... Um, looking for those type of characteristics in all um, dividend-paying uh, companies like utilities and REITs. But the MLPs now, tend to move. They tend to move more on the price of transporting oil and gas than the price of oil and gas itself. Is that correct? That's correct. And in fact, recently, it, during the crisis, you know, after 2015, the correlation with oil prices really went very, very high. It was almost one. And as the uh, as the volatility of oils declined and the volumes in the U.S. have increased, their sensitivity to oil prices have dropped dramatically, which makes sense, because they are really like toll roads uh, in that their, uh, their cash flow is driven by the volume on their pipelines. But it's important to note that toll roads aren't risk-free, that if there's no traffic on the toll roads, of course, they're not an attractive investment. So MLPs need moderate uh, Oil prices kind of in the range they're in now for, to maintain drilling and even grow it slowly in the U.S., but they don't need $100 oil. 50 to $60 is a perfectly fine pricing environment from LPs. And but the, the rig count has come down. The of them has dropped. Sorry, what was the, that, Jordan? The rig count has come down recently with oil in the 50 range. Uh, some companies are, have been pulling back, so that should mean less oil drilling and, and less uh, supply going through the pipelines. Is that a worry for MLPs? Well, certainly if the rig count continued to, to drop and drop more precipitously, a lot of the um, rigs that have been coming off have been more natural gas rigs. And so really more, the more likely scenario is we just have stable production. I think at this uh, range of prices, stable production is more um, likely. And like I said, that's fine for MLPs. Um, but we wouldn't really anticipate a precipitous drop in the rig count with with prices where they are today. So let's talk about the ETF you have in the MLP, the InfraCap, InfraCap MLP ETF. Uh, again, uh, the symbol on that is AMZA. What kind of yield is that offering, and what would be the advantage of an investor of doing it through the ETF as opposed to buying individual MLPs? Yeah, so um, we, we normally don't get it. Um, into a, a lot of the details, um, you know, in, on the media in terms of our um, our ETFs, but I could say that um, we do think that um, the um, you know the index ETFs like ours, um, you know, are attractive in that you get a diversified portfolio of securities, and uh, we, we like to focus on the large cap ETFs or large cap MLPs because they're the ones that are. Um, more liquid, have better credit ratings, and um, also are benefiting from these large infrastructure build-outs. 
Um, and then most ETFs in the sector are structured as corporations. And so instead of getting a K-1, which is a complicated uh, partnership return, uh, one would get a, um, a 1099 uh, from all the ETFs in the sector. So that then cleans up the tax reporting, so it's just like a normal corporation. Uh-huh. Very good. Uh, according to the material you put out, the latest yield was about 8.8%. Is that roughly in the range? That's, of that's correct. The sector is yielding right around 8.8%, uh, which is uh, below what it's been in the past, particularly if you look at a spread to um, triple B bonds. And then also, uh, even more importantly, a lot of other equity yield alternatives like utilities. I, I was a utility banker, as I mentioned, about um, 25 years ago. They used to yield five, six, seven, eight. Now they're yielding sub three, and REITs are also uh, in the threes in terms of yield. So, um, relative to other equity income alternatives, MLPs are pretty significantly undervalued. Much higher. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Jay Hatfield. Uh, he is the portfolio manager at uh, InfraCap uh, Capital Advisors, uh, which offers some exchange-traded funds, the ones we've talked about so far, about master limited partnerships. After the break, we're going to talk about those relating to preferred stocks. We'll be back after this. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're wasting hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your customer relationship system. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you lifting a finger? Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most. You don't have to waste your time on tasks that could be automated because that's exactly what Zapier does. I gave it a try and it's amazing how all the tasks I used to do are now happening automatically. Just go to the special link zapier.com slash moneyanswers Connect the apps you use most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to your customer relationship system or spreadsheet, then notify your team so they can get back to prospects quickly. And that's just scratching the surface. Zapier supports more than 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities are virtually endless. Best of all, it's easy to build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. Join more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours per month using Zapier. Right now through November, you can try Zapier for free by going on our special link at zapier.com slash moneyanswers. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash moneyanswers for your free 14-day trial. Zapier.com slash moneyanswers. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Jay Hatfield. He's a fund manager at Infrastructure Capital Advisors. They have three exchange-traded funds. We've talked about the one on Master Limited Partnerships already, which has an 8.8% yield. Now we're going to speak about those relating to preferred stocks. If you want to find out more about him and his funds, his website is infracapfunds.com. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Great. Thanks, Jordan. 
So let's talk about preferred stocks. First, just do a quick definition of what a preferred stock is and why would one want to buy a preferred stock over the common of the same company? So preferred stocks are usually uh, perpetual obligations, but they're, uh, they have a fixed dividend and they're senior to common. So, um, and, and many of them are cumulative and have provisions where um, if there's no payment of the dividend, then um, the preferred shareholders get to elect um, a couple of directors. So they have protections that they get paid. So they're less volatile than a common stock of the issuer, um, yet there's um, a little or no upside you know, relative to par. So for investors who are looking to add more yield to their, the fixed income part of their portfolios, it can be pretty attractive to take less interest rate risk. Uh, it's about 15% correlated to, to interest rates, but you also get less uh, common stock risk because they're senior. So usually the beta is the most uh, preferred stocks or, or their correlation is about 30% of the market. And since those two factors are, are offset each other in, in most normal markets, they tend to be um, relatively less volatile than stocks, but yet have significant um, distributions or yields um, that, are, that are higher than just buying treasuries or investment-grade bonds or mini, or mini bonds. So the fund that you have out now, the ETF, which is called the U.S. Preferred Stock ETF with symbol PFFA, what kind of a yield does that have and roughly what kind of industries are, are your preferreds located in? Sorry about that. Um, just the, um, in terms of um, the, really just talking about the, the sector preferreds, if you look at the index, um, it yields uh, around six. So it's pretty significant. That's more than the high yield index. And then, um, you know, funds, we have one fund that's uh, fully diversified that tracks an index. And then we have another uh, f fund that's, that's actively managed. We have another fund that um, tracks the uh, wheat preferred index fund. One yields about six and the other yields about uh, seven and a half percent on an SEC basis. So let's talk about the non-REIT one first, which is a broadly diversified preferred. What are some of the industries that are most highly represented in that index and in that ETF? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, the, um, the broader index is, um, has a big, a big uh, concentration in financials. And then so the um, um, other, <clears throat> but the, um, uh, our fund and many of the other ETFs that are actively managed would be, you know, pretty broadly diversified. So if you look at the issue or preferreds, there are mortgage REITs, there's REITs, there's industrials, uh, MLPs, financials is what the index is dominated by. So um, active managers tend to be much more diversified than what would be in a, uh, you know, just the passive index. It's mostly financials. And you use some leverage to increase the yield. Is that correct? Uh, that's right. So does that make it riskier to do that? Correct, yes. So is it going to be very sensitive to interest? I mean, lately interest rates have been falling, so I assume that would be good for that kind of preferred stock. But if interest rates were to rise, would that be a potentially large downside for that kind of fund? Yeah, that definitely is a, a risk. And as I mentioned, um, though, it uh, tends to be um, better for um, – hold on one second – it tends to be um, less sensitive to interest rates than other asset classes like treasuries and investment-grade bonds. So a reasonable rule of thumb would be about 15% sensitive to treasuries. So within yeah. normal bounds, preferreds um, would be relatively stable. Of course, if, if the tenure goes to 4 or 5%, that, could be, that would be a, a big issue because if the index is yielding 6 and you go to 4 or 5, that's a problem. But if the index is yielding 6 and you go from 1.5 to 2, it's not going to really drive value that much. But yeah. it is important also to note that preferred, if the stock market really, really unhinges like the fourth quarter of uh, 2018, you know, they'll be impacted as well. But in a lot of more stable markets, like for instance this year, where you've had the stock market up and interest rates down, preferreds have been relatively um, stable. So it's really designed for somebody who wants income so this PFFA, which trades on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, is yielding about 7.5%, you're saying. And, and the 
price of it doesn't move that much is what you're saying. Is that right? Well, yeah, just, I'm just talking about preferreds, generally speaking, that um, in most, um, in a normal market, they would be less volatile because the sensitivity to the stocks and the sensitivity to bonds are usually, um, bonds and stocks typically uh, trade in opposite directions. So in other words, you have rising, uh, in rising interest rate environment, um, oftentimes, um, you know, stocks are also rallying. So those two factors tend to offset. It's only in extreme markets where preferreds would get dislocated. So rapidly rising interest rates, like we said, you know, more going north of 2% or significantly above 2%. Or if the stock market's not just down a little bit like it was in May and August, but more like it was in 2018, then that would dislocate preferreds as well. So in a, in a, a relatively normal market, they tend to be quite stable. But they're, they're not as defensive as treasuries, which would actually trade up in a, in a uh, you know, rapidly declining market. Yeah. So your other exchange trade fund is the InfraCap REIT Preferred ETF, symbol PFFR, also traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So why did you create an ETF only for preferreds issued by real estate investment trusts? <clears throat> well, um, you know, again, I, I think it's, we didn't want to get into a whole a lot of detail about all of our ETFs, but so people can go to the website. But um, generally speaking, uh, we do think that REITs are solid credits and uh, often have um, unlevered real estate. So that's a good protection for um, the um, preferred stockholder who um, you know, is de facto lending money to the REITs. So we think, in general, REITs are um, solid credits. And they've done quite well this year. As interest rates have fallen, REITs have done well. So the yield Correct. has been yes. consistent. Right, the yield has been consistent around 6%. Uh, and has the ETF itself appreciated a bit? Um, I mean, you can, again, I would just have people go to the website to, to check that. But uh, REIT preferred to, you know, significantly lag the actual REITs, but that points out that they're really fixed income. Yes. So the the upside is really kind of capped. That's kind of the the good news is that that they're less volatile. But the bad news is that returns are often kind of capped at the coupon level. This is true for all preferreds. So yes. that's kind of what get you get with fixed income is more stable returns, but you don't get the upside. Like the uh, read index for equities, not preferreds, has dramatically outperformed. Um, even the stock market this year. So you don't yes. get that kind of upside, but you just get less volatility and stable income. It's designed for income, basically, is what I'm saying. Correct, so yeah. if people want to find out more, again, the website they can go to is infracapfunds.com. Uh, as far as REITs are concerned, people have been concerned that so much shopping is going online, Amazon and so on, that's hurting particularly mall REITs. Are you concerned about uh, some REITs that are particularly in the retail area? You know, um, we do have, I don't want to you know, pick on any in particular, but we are cautious in that, uh, about that sector. Some of the mall REITs have adjusted well and have moved more to a um, mixed-use model where there's hotels, um, condos, more entertainment, and less just pure shopping that could be affected by um, the Internet. So, and also it's important to distinguish between strip malls, where there's mostly grocery stores, pretty difficult to order groceries on the internet. So it's not like every single mall read is terrible, but the traditional uh, mall that's anchored by department stores is under pressure. So you have to do the analysis, um, but we tend to be underweight. Uh, most of those traditional mall reads with anchored by um, you know, by the, the old line um, department stores. So in about two minutes we have left, just summing up, you think that we're not going into recession, interest rates are going to stay relatively low, so preferreds and MLPs are going to be a good place for your money in the next year or so, is that right? That's right, and I think it's important just to cite one fact, which is that in the last 10 recessions we had where we had an inversion in many cases, the average of the... Um, 10-year bond was 7%, and that was really precipitating a big recession in the housing sector. And today, we have really the opposite, which, where we have you know, almost all-time low 10-year rates, which is really st providing a stimulus to the housing sector. So that's really why 
we think we're more mid-cycle and late-cycle. And that's important because, you know, if we are actually going to recession, there aren't that many asset classes that don't get hit, you know, really just treasuries and possibly gold come to mind. So it's important for investors to make that assessment if they're going to take on either stock market risk or, or um, a treasury, treasury bond risk. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this first half hour has been Jay Hatfield, co-founder and portfolio manager at uh, InfraCap. Uh, and he has an uh, MLP fund, uh, which is the one uh, AMZA, currently yielding about 8.8%. He's got a generalized preferred fund uh, with a simple PFFA, also traded on the New York Stock Exchange, yielding about 7.5%. And then he's got a, a REIT preferred fund, a symbol PFFR, yielding about 6% these days. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Jay. Oh, great. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks very much. We'll be back after this. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly on to you. I got Mint Mobile on my phone and provided a very clear signal wherever I go, and it saved me about $150 a month over what I was paying before. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabits of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash moneyanswers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Alpesh Parmar. Uh, He is the host of the Wealth Matters website. He also has a podcast called Wealth Matters. He's an entrepreneur who is also very big in the residential real estate market, and he's written a book called Resilience, 
turning your setback into a comeback. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Al Pesh. Thank you so much, Jordan. I'm excited to be on the show. So just briefly tell us, you've had an interesting career so far. Tell us how you've made it to where you are today. Absolutely. So yeah, I uh, immigrated from India about 19 years ago. Uh, I'm proud to call myself U.S. citizen now. Uh, I worked in the IT industry for a while. Uh, when I was laid off in 2009, I decided not to do any W-2 job, and I started working for myself. And about five years ago, I realized that I have been trading time for money. Uh, of course, I read the, uh, read the purple book, you know, the rich dad, poor dad, which spoiled me. And I realized that I need to start investing and make sure my money works for me uh, and I'm not working for my money. So uh, from last five years, I started investing uh, of, in real estate mostly, but of course, in a lot of other type of assets as well and looked into real assets. And that's how we got connected uh, when I read your book, Master Your Debt. And thank you for that book as well, Jordan. Very but, good. <laughs> But yeah, looking back, pretty much I moved into the real estate uh, space. I've been investing. I, I started helping my friends, and that's how the idea of Wealth Matters podcast was born because I realized that there are so many uh, like my friends out there who do not know about real estate. Actually, they don't know about any other investment philosophy other than Wall Street, right? Because that's what we have been taught from our employers, 401k, pension plans, whatnot, right? So... That, that that was my reason to start sharing what I have learned so that, you know, everyone can everyone does realize that this is what they should start focusing on. So let's talk about real estate. Why invest in real estate? Um, and do you want to do multifamily or single family compared to investing in stocks? And as you say, what most people are used to, what is the advantage of investing in real estate that you found? Absolutely. So uh, three... Uh, most important advantages I see in real estate, and that could be investing in residential space or even in office buildings, store, self-storage, mobile home parks, whatnot, that tenant pays down mortgage, right? So you take over the mortgage because you are able to leverage, right? That's the key. When you are comparing it to stock, if I want to buy stock, I have to buy, pay all of the uh, you know cost of that stock from my pocket i'm not able to leverage unless i start gambling and playing with options and futures and whatnot right uh, if i'm not doing that then in that case i have to provide 100 percent from my pocket whereas in real estate terms you can pay down just 20 to 30 percent and you start owning that real estate and the mortgage could be paid by the tenant, right? So while you own the real estate, someone else is taking care of the property as well as paying down the mortgage. That's the biggest advantage I saw when I was comparing to all other asset types, right? And the second most important one actually is the depreciation. Uh, and not many uh, reader, uh, your listeners, or even I was not aware when I started investing that U.S. Uh, you know, tax laws... Uh, allow us to depreciate the property, not the land. But let, so let's say, you know, you buy a million dollar building and you have the land is allocated about 30% of the value, which would be 300 grand. Then you can start depreciating the other 700 grand over 27.5 years. What that means is that let's say my tenant is paying down the mortgage and I still have cash flow of 500 bucks a month. That is six grand a year. Uh, you do not have to pay tax on that six grand because there'll be you will always have a paper loss on your tax returns because because of depreciation. So that's another key because even if I'm making six thousand or sixty thousand, there will always be depreciation loss uh, on your tax return. So that because so I'm able to take advantage of what I got from my property or my investment and reinvest. So that's that's pretty much the time value, right? Uh, yeah. That I'm able to take advantage of that money right now and not wait for till I sell or whenever, right? And so, the third so single family versus multifamily, which are the pros and cons of those? Sure. So single family, uh, it's very easy to get in, right? Because because it it requires a single smaller loan or cash deal. Appreciation is tied directly to neighborhood growth. So if neighborhood is growing, if the economy is doing good, it's going to appreciate, right? And they're also easier to sell because you can sell it to an owner as well as an investor. 
So those are the advantages. But then when I compare it to multifamily, multifamily properties have way more advantages, right? So once you start get going, I always recommend people to start looking into multifamily because multifamily one is will generate higher cash flow because you can scale it up. Right. Uh, they have more control over value. The owners have more con more control over value because if you bring the rents up, the property values go up. It, it, it won't matter how much the next door property has sold, because as long as your rents are more than the you know, or close to market rent or more than the market rent and you are able to do value add and bring the proper value of the property up, your NOI increases and that brings up the, you know, value of the property economics so how, how would you recommend that people get into multifamily since you prefer multifamily over single family uh, are you talking about like four unit apartment buildings or 20 what kind of, and how do you get started since you got started in that how could people who have not had experience get started in multifamily Sure. So one way is, of course, try to get get in by yourself, which is really hard in multifamily unless you focus on duplex, triplex, or fourplex. Because up to fourplex, you can get a Fannie Freddie loan on your name, right? You, when you go above fourplex, that's called commercial um, investing, and usually Fannie Freddie would not give you a loan if you are if you have never done it, if you are not experienced. So. That's when I recommend investing in syndication. That's why that's how I started personally. I invested in a single family residence. Plus, I started investing with other big syndicators who knew the game, who were able to, uh, you know, get all the investors together. Right. So uh, someone who is getting started that they have lack of lack of experience. Right. So that's always a good idea to go with someone who is an experienced uh, syndicator or a resource in this field. Second, you will have limited financial resources, right? So, because uh, you, you cannot buy a property worth five million uh, on your own, then you want to go in or, 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 you know, with other syndicators who bring a lot of other investors together in the game, right? So instead of trying to put half a mil or a million in the property, you are able to only put let's say 50k into the deal and and you are part of that syndication right so now you own a share of 200 or 300 apartment unit buildings right and and it's it, it's 100% passive that's the other advantage because you do not have to do any any work it is like investing in a stock but now you are investing in real estate so you get all those benefits uh, you know uh, like tenant paying down the mortgage depreciation appreciation etc uh, even though you have invested in, uh, in in real estate passively, is that something that you help people do? Is to find good syndications and multifamily? Absolutely, that 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 has been my focus because I personally want to invest. So what I do, I I vet the uh, syndicators and then I invest my own money as well as I help other people invest with me. And so, uh, how can they contact you if they want to find out what syndications you're going to get involved in or how to help people do so? Sure. So they can uh, open, uh, you know, go to my website, www.wealthmatters.com, uh, or they can email me, which is uh, alpesh at wealthmatters.com. Let me spell it out for you. Uh, it's A-L-P-E-S-H at the rate W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S.com. And Wealth Matters uh, has, is M A. TRS, you're, you're missing the T and the E, correct? That is correct. I, I, I was trying to copy Twitter. <laughs> and so what, what is the minimum investment, uh, minimum investment level for the syndications and what kind of yield and long-term rate of return should people expect? Sure. So uh, now that the market has gone up, uh, so right now I see minimum investment go from 50 grand to 100 grand, depending on the size of the deal. Because uh, recently we did a deal where the mini, uh, you know the deal size was 10 million, then the minimum was 50 grand. But I'm looking at another deal where deal size is 50 million. So now, you know the say, operators are looking for 100 grand minimum. A and from the yield perspective, uh, that's a good question, Jordan, because we do want to uh, we do want people to compare it to stocks or whatever else they are investing in. Right now, I have been seeing the. Uh, Yield is about, or pre, they call it as preferred return, is about seven to eight percent, and over over five year period annualized return, you are looking at between fourteen to sixteen percent. Very good. And what is the holding period that people should expect for these things? On average, five years. 
Uh, sometimes they are able to, if the property values go up significantly because of the value add or full on rehab they have done, you can get out in three years. But yeah. I would say, you know, it's about five years. So the syndication is one building, one multifamily building. It's not several buildings. Is that correct? No, no. So, so now you exactly know the asset. It's not like a fund where you put money in a fund and the fund goes and buys, you know, multiple buildings. In this case, you are able to evaluate the location, the, uh, you know, purchase price, et cetera, as well as the, that particular asset, right? And that's why I prefer that instead of investing in a fund where they go and buy 10, you know, different buildings or asset types. Yes, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Alpash Parmar. He is the host of the Wealth Matters uh, podcast on the Wealth Matters website. You can find out more at wealthmatters, spelled M-A-T-R-S dot com. As you can see, it also helps people invest in real estate. We'll be back after this. I want to tell you about a new deodorant called Native that I recently began trying out. It's safe, simple, and effective, and is made with all natural ingredients. Making the switch to a natural deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on odor or wetness protection. Unlike most other deodorants, it does not have aluminum, parabens, or talc. Those substances have been linked to several serious health issues. Instead, Native has fewer, simpler ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, as well as an unscented formula. Some of the most popular scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. They even have some limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. I tried the cucumber and mint myself, and it smelled wonderful and was very effective. I also got the lavender and rose from my girlfriend, and she really loved it. People all over the country are giving Native great reviews. It has 8,000 five-star recommendations in the latest survey. It's also been featured on many national radio and TV shows. There's no risk to trying Native since they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. If you subscribe over one, two, three, or four months to have it delivered to your home, you save up to 17%, which co comes out to about $2 a stick. Give Native a try and save 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout for a 20% discount. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. From the boardroom to you. Voice America, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is, this half hour is Alpesh Parmar. He is the host of the Wealth Matters website and podcast. He's also a real estate uh, entrepreneur. Um, and his website is Wealth Matters, spelled M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to the show, Alpesh. Thank you, Jordan. So we talked about real estate, but some other ways to save on taxes relating to real estate. One is called a 1031 exchange. Why don't you explain what that is? Sure. So uh, 
real estate of course as i explained is is a good way to grow your wealth but it also gives you a lot of tax benefits and one of them is 1031 exchange that once you have used that property and now you are about to go build, uh, buy a, a bigger property let's say you started with a single family now you want to buy a multifamily after 5 10 years you can pretty much you do not have to pay any capital gains you can pretty much take the entire gain and buy another building by using something called 1031 exchange uh, and there are certain 10 uh, 1031 exchange operators available pretty much they keep the money uh, when you close it it's like escrow company and then when you are ready to buy uh, you can use that money to buy a bigger you know property it could be multifamily it could be self storage mobile home park any any kind of investment of course there are some caveats you have to keep in mind that you need to identify the replacement property within 30 days and you have to close on the replacement property within 180 days but pretty much you do not have to pay any taxes and that's what i have seen lot of the you know celebrities the big uh, wealthy guys have used this strategy for years it's also uh, called that you know 1031 till you die so that you your heirs can get a step up basis and they do not have to pay any taxes so you can so you, pretty you much keep, you you keep uh, moving it forward and so you never have to pay capital gains and as you say when you die you get a step up basis so you would have exactly. got income all those years but the appreciation on the real estate would affect never be taxed is what you're saying exactly yes another another thing you say is to invest in opportunity zones that's a relatively new tax uh opportunity how could you do that and how is that profitable so opportunity zone is very interesting it's i would call it as 1031 on steroids because now uh, you uh, from upper, for opportunity zone investing that's a brand new uh, from the trump uh, tax law right uh, that you do not have to put money from same asset right so you can pretty much take your gains from let's say you invested in bitcoins or stock market and put it in a an opportunity zone real estate an opportunity zone what does the, what that means is that this are there are certain neighborhoods which have, which have been identified uh, as opportunity zone areas where neighborhood is gentrifying or the government wants you to invest so that to uh, to fasten up the economic cycle over there right so if you invest in and and the only way i have seen it uh, to to invest in opportunity zone is of course you can do it by yourself same way it's going to uh, require significant amount of capital or you can invest in an opportunity zone fund right and what are the tax benefits you get from investing in an opportunity zone so it's it's pretty much similar to uh, 1031 but m- much more because you can take the entire gain from your uh, from the real estate or stocks or what not put it in an opportunity zone fund and you do not have to pay any taxes on the gain till uh, the opportunity zone or the property which is in opportunity zone you have invested in is sold and and on top of that if the uh, if the property is kept for 10 years you do not even have to pay taxes on the gains which were generated from that investment in that op- uh, property right so you have significant amount of tax benefits and this is something you can help people find an investment in an opportunity zone yes absolutely i i recently invested in one of the opportunity zone fund and again what's the minimum and the hold time to expect on something so, like that so uh, that that's opportunity zone fund is it's 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 interesting because they allow you to uh, bring gains from any kind of asset uh usually there is no minimum pretty much you can start with around 10 grand and go up to you know whatever amount you are comfortable with yes very good another thing you say is to do a monetized installment sale how does that work and why is that advantageous so that is the third option where uh, you can uh, pretty much uh, sell your property as an installment sale right so you will have a certain uh, llc or a trust in between so when the property is sold uh, and i'm in you know san francisco bay area you are in new york people have seen you know double triple the gains over just last 5 years right so uh, for i just saw an example where one of my friend had a gain of about over a million dollars and he sold the property on uh, installment sale and now pretty much instead of paying tax on that million dollar he is getting that money as an installment so every year he gets certain amount of money let's say 
for 50 grand that's not a that's will not move his tax bracket up and he does not have to pay the significant chunk of tax right away of course so he, they're spreading it out they're spreading yes, it out for yes. a year and, and lowering yeah. the tax burden basically exactly yes. and the last thing you say is owner financing seller carry how does that work for profitability in real estate so that is pretty similar to monetized installment sale uh, where now you are financing the property you become the bank and you are carrying the note right so the property i'm selling now i become a bank and the buyer pretty much pay, makes me the payment so now i'm getting literally mailbox money and and if the buyer stops paying i can take over the property which i already knew about right this property i managed it for the years so i already know about what to do with this property so i become the bank do you recommend buying property only in the area where you are so you can go inspect it? Or can you buy it anywhere around the country and have a management firm take care of it? I, uh, that's a great question, Jordan. I personally believe that live wherever you want and invest wherever it makes sense or the numbers make sense. So because I live in San Francisco Bay Area, I do not invest at all in California. I have been investing only out of state in different markets. So I, I definitely believe that you have to make sure there is positive cash flow wherever you are investing. We have about two minutes left. Just kind of wrap it up as to what opportunity you see for people who've not had experience in real estate before to get into real estate investing now. This is still a great time because real estate market does not move at the same time, even though the market has cycles. So... Of course, start exploring, start learning about real estate and reach out to people like Jordan, myself, and even there are a lot more other educators or mentors out there. Reach out to them, learn as much as possible and even invest with them. Uh, that way you'll be able to make your money work for you as well as you learn from them and on how they are running the business, how they are managing the asset, etc. I, I would say this is still a great time to invest in real estate. And tell people a little bit more about your podcast. What can they hear at Wealth Matters Podcast? So Wealth Matters Podcast uh, focuses on building long-term wealth. Of course, you know, as I am a real estate investor, uh, 34% or I would say 70% of the focus is on real estate. But I had Mr. Jordan Goodman on my podcast to talk about how you can keep most of the money you make with you by using HELOC strategy and a lot of other strategies. So uh, my podcast is all about building long-term wealth. Very good. My guest this hour has been Alpesh Parmar. He is the host of the Wealth Matters website and podcast, which you can find out more at wealthmatters, spelled M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Alpesh. I appreciate it. Uh, having me on your podcast. This means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you so much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.